You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's everyone's favorite forgotten Power Ranger, Drew Gasparini, here with another episode of Now We're Talking, the podcast responsible for getting Joe Biden elected. I'm completely enthused about today's episode because we don't just have one amazing guest, we have two. Yes, that's right. Today is a twofer. One is an actor who's done it all from Jersey Boys all the way to his performance as Dr. Pometer in the original cast of the hit musical Waitress. The other is an actress, comedian, and writer who's been seen in the Broadway revival of Godspell and she co-created the award-winning web series Brooklyn Sound, among many other things. They are my good friends and a couple of my favorite people. Now we're talking with Drew Galing and Julia Madison. Hello, I am here with Julia Madison and Drew Galing. How are you guys? Hello, hello. Hi, hi. We're good. I'm very really happy. happy here. I'm so thrilled you're both here, and you're the first couple on the show. And I'm sorry that that's what I asked of you. I did. I asked that you both do this at once it was sort of a killing two birds thing but also you guys are just so delightful as a pair i thought this would be a really fun conversation so i am sorry that it's annoying but that's what it is it's so annoying we're so annoyed to be together yeah, at, yeah to, to be on sitting on our couch <laughs> together uh, on the couch in the home that yeah. you live in together. But we haven't yeah. been for seven straight months doing this exact same thing exactly. <laughs> right. you made it this far you can handle one podcast oh, with an yeah. annoying conversation with your pal drew <laughs> hey um so what we're going to talk about today is just you guys that's all i'm just interested in you guys because here's what i've realized <clears throat> All these friends I have, people I look up to, people I admire, and a lot of them are my friends within the industry of show. Um, I realize, and I think it's a byproduct of being in show business, I don't know one fucking thing about any of my friends. All we talk about... All we talk about is is where we're at and what's next. What's That's next? Big, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Oh, what's next? Right. I was almost going to call this podcast. So what else is going on? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what else? What else you got going on? Yeah. Um, so today I really want to go back and like talk about how we all got where we are instead of where we're going next, because sometimes it's fun to dig into a little nostalgia, but it really does paint a picture of who we are as, as humans and artists and the whole thing. Um, so if that's cool with you guys, I'm going to kind of ask joint questions and then some specifically geared questions. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with Drew Galing because I know Drew a little less than I do Julia. So I want to talk to you, Drew, who I refer to as the more handsome, more successful Drew. I was I was waiting for the for for which which exact title it was going to be. I, I, I always give you something. You I always make oh, yeah. sure to put myself down when I introduce you. <laughs> Uh, and it's intimidating. I, and somehow I let it happen. Like I just allow yeah. it. <laughs> I allow just, it. I'm like, it's, huh, it's gracious okay. of you. It really is. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you guys can tell. Can you see this insane like shrine to my community theater past behind me? Oh yeah. Yes. I see a singing Isn't in the rain wild? up there. There's a singing in the rain. Let me tell you something about singing in the rain. I don't know anybody in my family who was in that show. I don't know why that poster's here. Like these are all shows we've all done and been a part of, and I don't, I don't know that. I don't know who did that. I don't know why that's there. Somebody stole. I think my mom is going home to home and taking uh, community theater memorabilia from other children who are doing their parents more proud than her actual children did. She's going for the whole set. You know? Yeah, she's she's going for the whole set. She's trying to fill the wall with the canon of every musical that was ever written. Uh, anyway, back to our very handsome and much more successful than I friend, Drew Galing. 
talk to me, man. You have a career that is not interesting to me only because people will get there. We'll get there. People can Google that shit. I could, we could list your resume off. It's impressive. If you don't mm. know who Drew Galing is, Google his ass and you'll be amazed at the things he's done. Here's what I want to know. Where are you from? What was it like in the household you grew up in? Uh, and I already know a little portions of Julia's childhood because we've had, we shared an office and we got into talking every now and again, and she's gone into detail <laughs> about her absolutely insane imagination. And it makes sense. I can see how Julia navigated her goofy ass into show business. Where was that in your family? What was the support like? What were your parents like? And what were your sibling situation? I'm a, I'm one of five kids. Uh, no. Really, yeah, man. I'm the oldest of five. Where? Children. Oh, you're the oldest of five. Oh my. <laughs> the oldest of five children. Patrick, Marin, Hub, and Connor are my siblings. Hub and Connor. Shout are out the, to numbers two through five. Bam. The youngest are twins. They, they're young. Mm-hmm. I mean, please, they're like thirty years old now. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm thirty-two. <laughs> <clears throat> my man. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, we, we, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. So like deep, um, it's not really like super deep South because it's in this uh, county in North Carolina called Guilford County, which is um, a really pretty liberal bastion in the middle of um, uh, the you know the state that is. It's North not necessarily Carolina. what I refer to as the scary South. Or yeah, like, it's not yeah. really. It's not really. It was. Um, it was pretty forward thinking, and there were there was a lot of like arts and schools, and a lot of like community theater, and a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a real appreciation for, um, for all things kind of theatrical, right? So there, like that was an option for extracurricular activities, and um, because of uh, my family was like super sporty, right? So my dad. Um, and like always like coached all of my siblings in my like sports when we were little. And so it was like a really kind of sports driven household. And it wasn't, was there a specific sport that you in particular like excelled at or really loved or I was on the swim team. I was on the swim team, like a fiend as a kid. Like I was obsessed (sighs) with it. I love, and and it's weird to think about. And he's a swimmer was it's like capital w was, was. and it's once a swimmer always a swimmer my friend look right? how tall you are i bet your wingspan is like nine miles Michael on each Phelps side oh yeah yeah you know just yeah. doing, the, doing the butterfly but but we like went you know i the minute i i kind of discovered that we that the um, like performance i guess was kind of something that i really enjoyed my parents were super supportive of it they were like, you know, as long as it's going to inspire you to want to go every day and I'm not mm-hmm. going to have to drag you there because they'd seen mm-hmm. what it was like when they had to drag me to practice <clears throat> or something that I didn't want to do. It's it's torture. Right. I mean, right. I have a seven-year-old now. Taking her somewhere she doesn't want to go is like, oh, God, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So well, what, um, kind, what kinds of things are you signing her up for that she just dreads, by the way? <laughs> oh, well, we got I tried soccer with her. Hated it. Uh-huh. Hated it. Too, it much, just like, too much feet action. I agree. Much, I'm with way her. Too, too much. much feet. Yep. You know? Um, so, but it was something that I really liked, but it also at the same time, and this I think is still true, it kind of stressed me out. It stressed me out even then as like a little kid. And I think that's yeah. still a part of the way I work. Like I, I'm kind of like, I get to be a little bit of a stress case when I get into the room with buddies. And it's like, it's funny how my, even then my parents would like restrict my show participation to like one a season. They were like, all right, that's Like it. one that's... musical or one play a Yeah, season? it was like that. It was like you play one sport or you do one show because they, right. you know, I had other siblings that they also had to take to practice and do, and do stuff. So it was like it kind of had to happen in moderation with everybody else's stuff, which I think in hindsight was pretty cool. It made me kind of appreciate them and what they were doing. Well, what imagine, they were imagine that balance of trying to be supportive. I mean, it's, it sounds like you were really blessed with your parents, by the way, still together or no? Yeah. Yeah. Jim and Julie are, are, are the best. They Shout are, out to Jim and Julie. Uh, Jim but Julie. you had, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm from a family of four. See, you're always one better than me, Drew. A Drew always one better than me. You're one you know? foot taller and you're one sibling more. Um, but I know that Julia and I have talked about this. Julia, you have very supportive parents because they've allowed you to be the insane human that you are, just like <laughs> my parents have. And I, I, I just look at my parents and marvel because Julia has a sister. You have a, an entire uh, litter in yeah. your family, Drew. Yeah. How do 
when you like, and you're a father now and Julia, you're, you guys are living together and you're doing a lot of co-parenting within the house together. What are some moments you saw as a kid where you were like, oh, my parents are nailing this. They always like made sure we were heard, you know? Yeah. Even, even if you were being an unreasonable brat, which God knows I, I was just the worst um, sometimes, they it, it, there was never a question of whether or not what you were feeling or what you needed was going to be an issue. Right. And, and, and it's something I've kind of tried to hold on to a, a bit as a parent, which is like to just make sure that like, even though your, her experience might seem a little outlandish to me in this moment right now to kind of mm-hmm. always try to just, in some, I'm, Jules is like hearing this because she sees me go through like billions of negotiations every day. But like, you, sure. you just kind of try to just make sure that that what she's feeling is is real and and important and valid and 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 hopefully like those passions and the things that she likes and and enjoys can be something that that I can help her find and and enjoy more and and, and that's all a result of of your parents with you must yeah. be right because yeah, you experience my, a great childhood it sounds yeah like. it's like when they saw that i was like this really passionate kid they they were like well you know let's let's try let's try this let's try theater let's see if that's something that he enjoys and the minute that they found that i enjoyed it it was like well great we now we know what his outlet is and it became just that. It was like, because school was always important. Sure. Like being well-rounded was always important. Being a member of the family was always important. But to have sure. the thing that was uniquely yours was also really important. And yeah. and and I really count myself so lucky that they found that for me. And they helped me find that when I was like in third grade. And from there, right. it was like, you know, you when you kind of know what, makes you tick or you're rather starting to learn what makes you tick at that age. It's, that's, that's awesome to, especially when, to be a parent and see it and go like, okay, all right. At least now you'll, we know where you'll find your people. We know where you'll find like the, 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 an outlet for the creativity that you have and a place yes. to put the feelings that you, that you have. It's- Was there a moment ever, and I'm going to open this up to both of you guys, because you go, you both have, have navigated life into the arts quite successfully, and you're both completely multiversed performers, and, and you both had support, <clears throat> for the most part, uh, as I can tell here, from your family. Was there a moment... And I get so fascinated by family because, you know, it's there's like none that's exactly the same as the next. Like each family, that's why they make such good plays and dramas. Family is so interesting to me. Was there ever a moment in either of your guys' upbringing where there was the suggestion, and this is where I feel like uh, we are all uninteresting if it's the, the answer it might be. Um, was there a suggestion of, well, we're glad you found this outlet, yes, but now that you have this hobby, you need to find another outlet that can pay you and that can support you. Was mm. there ever any of that rhetoric in your family? No. No. I, I think about it like... Well, we're boring. All right, <laughs> that's... Boring. Okay. <laughs> but you know what it was? It, wa- it wasn't as if it was just full and complete follow your dreams, good luck, fly away, we support you no matter what. It was right. like my my dad is a, a brilliant businessman, like a, a mind that um, I don't think would ever let us, myself or my sister, pursue anything without pragmatic hard work and, and, and learning the details and the ins and outs of an entire system of it. You know what I mean? So, right. so whereas my mom uh, was so deeply supportive in the the pursuit of it and encouraged us in those ways and and has you know and to this day is like the most supportive uh your mother's a dancer and, a, and an artist that's in right her own she's an right. artist absolutely yep. yeah and my sister now is is a working very a visual artist visual Sculptor. artist yeah yes. so so it's funny my sister and i in different ways found artistic pursuits but i think the common i always say like the combination between my mom's experience and encouragement as an artist and my dad's uh, 
business mind was kind of like, yes, in no way are we ever going to set you back from pursuing this, but you have to go all the way through school. Like you're doing, you're going through high school, you're going to college, you're doing the full uh, academic journey. And in pursuing this, you're going to have to have a business mind, be an entrepreneur, figure out how to hustle and navigate and, and not just show up and see what happens, like turn any opportunity into something new. So I think it wasn't ever a, it was never considered a hobby. Cause honestly, I, I have no memory of ever wanting to do anything else. I was one of those like three years old coming up with characters type thing, you know, like, it's yeah, like, no, exactly so, what I said. You were an insane child. If, yeah, I, was, if <laughs> I had a kid who, and I know we all have imaginations, but if I had a child who was literally talking to nobody, like if I walked into a room and saw yeah. you like having a conversation <laughs> with imaginary friends, I would slowly back out of the room and be like, yeah. how can I get rid of this child? They're like, Oh no, <laughs> she's too much. She's too much. Yeah, completely. And I think what's so, what's so great to think about is like my, I look back and I'm like, my parents heavily allowed me and encouraged me actively to believe in magic and trust my imagination as, as real as anything else. But, but but the realities of how hard it can be and what it is and okay, you want to try this now? Like I wanted to be, if I pivoted from acting and wanted to be like a singer songwriter or do this or that, they're like, all right, but if you need, if you want to do this, here's, here are, you know, my dad would save like articles about, how people are doing this and and what kind of equipment you need and what right. kind of stuff you right like it was right. it was encouragement with practical steps forward i think were you ever the kind of child who would get you know we're, i think we all are guilty of this sometimes but you'd get like the email from the mom being like oh i read this thing about lin manuel miranda yes. and i thought of you and i'm so fucking annoyed that i'm reading it because like i feel guilty if i don't and i don't really and i get mad at the article and then uh-huh. somebody in the business who is not affiliated to my family at all will send me the same article and I'll read it and be like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is career changing and life changing. And I'm like not giving my mom any credit because she's my mom. Is that just me? Am I just an absolute punk asshole? Oh, I think that's all children, right? We're all to children. To an extent, of, right? Yeah. yeah. There's always going to be some degree of, of defense of people who know us better than anyone and us saying like, but you don't know me. I right, know right. me. <laughs> yeah, it's always to your parents who know you best right, too. That's right. They they know better than ourselves probably, and we're yeah. like, you don't get it, right? You and just it's don't like, oh, get it. Damn it, you got me again. I think that that is actually a byproduct of innately being uninteresting. Here we are, three white people talking about going into the arts because our parents fucking supported us in that insane idea. We have nothing to. Yes, do I get frustrated sometimes when I'm writing a song that's really brooding and like angsty, and I listen back to it? I go, "What is my problem? I have the greatest life. I basically always have. Why am I digging for these issues in my mind just?" to get something out of me. Do you guys ever feel like you're forcing something? Oh yeah. All the, all the time, you know, where, where if, if the deepest question is, is why, why don't they understand me better? Yes. Feels like, feels like the, the, the least actable and least interesting thing to, 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 to play. But yeah, I, I, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I like, I find a, a deep, freedom in comedy because I think I tried to be taken seriously. Like I, I think of like, okay, in high school, I made a, a singer songwriter album. I made a, I made a full album at 16. It's good. We, we, and we are going to play, we're going to play that album <laughs> right here <laughs> in the podcast. Clip. Uh, there, here's a clip. Um, no, I, I, my friends found it recently and I revisited it and it was a genuine attempt as a, as a, you know, high school student to think I was being really kind of amazing and honest. And I, I look at, I listened to lyrics that were like, some days this, this place feels like a prison cell. (laughs) (laughs) And, and my favorite line was, um, (laughs) she called me on the phone so late last night, even the moon was getting rest. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I was so obsessed with, I, had a whole my whole life I was like I want to be a, a a rock star I want to be a singer songwriter I want to be a musician I want to play and I found like 
always, I think from day one, humor was my greatest attractor. The thing that I always, the light I would just zombie walk to, you know? Right. Sure. And, but at the same time, I think I, I, for so long wanted to kind of be taken seriously in that way. And like, I think as probably by college, I, there was a, a, an awareness shift in myself where I think per your question and that, that boring thing, it's like, I find great freedom and joy in making fun of myself yes. and circumstances. And I think I, I'll never go back now because I think there's always more humanity and empathy and connection to be made from like observing the situation and how ridiculous I, I am to even try to do something. You know what I mean? Like I, Absolutely. I, I find truth in that yeah. and I find Absolutely. freedom in that. Yeah. I think being self-aware, self-awareness and self-deprecation are two very powerful tools when it comes to the work that you create as someone who is raised without any real problems. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, it's like, it's inventing the work, basically. Um, Julia, you mentioned like kind of zombie walking toward comedy, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and just in terms of the, the stuff you've done. But first I want to ask Drew, growing up, and I, and you know, and I'm, and Julia, this is also for you because it's kind of a different question. But growing up, um, w- I want to know. This is really, really niche, perhaps. Go. I'm talking like '90s. Can we go to the '90s yes, for a minute? Yes, please. Oh man, oh, like yeah. every day on my. Don't spot you miss it? I'm wearing a flannel <laughs> shirt right now. It's cool. Yeah, man. Every day on my spot, I get knocked down. All right. So. Oh my God! Uh, wait. That, by the way, Annie, every day now is walking around the ho- rocking around our house, going. I'm just a teenage dirtbag baby. Oh, why is that song in her ether? You guys, she I loves play it on loop. I, I, We play Weedus. We play that one song. It. She loves Weedus. That one song just always comes back on the playlist. And she that is it. so amazing. Oh, wait. While we're talking about kids, I got to tell you real quick. My nephew, who I love so much, I've been in California and I've been yeah. able to hang with him a bit. He's five years old. He has memorized word for word. The Nightmare Before Christmas. The whole oh movie. Oh my God. What? And my brother goes, watch this. <clears throat> this is Halloween. He just kind of starts humming the song a little bit. And my mm-hmm. nephew is like yards away. And all I see in the distance is him turning around going, in this town, don't be animated but he just gets triggered by any lyric and he just dies right into the whole song um anyway. i'm gonna encourage you to write that we have a uh, the month of november i'm gonna encourage you to maybe during this time off film him doing a full production of nightmare before christmas because I, you can and yep. because the world would want to see that yeah the world does need that you're right i didn't get on tiktok for nothing kids no no uh, no that, that, that's, <laughs> that's right that's- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, but the question I was getting to, back to the 90s. Let's go back to where it's a little comfier, a little not 2020, a mm-hmm. little bit mm-hmm. a little bit more Clinton, a little less Trump. I want to hear what your favorite Nicktoon was. I want to know what your favorite band of the 90s was. And like, let's get as iconic 90s as we can. I think we are all products of being 90s kids to some yeah. extent, 80s and oh, 90s sure. kids for sure. And what was the cartoon, Disney cartoon theme song that you can't unsing. Do you know what I mean? Gummy like bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. Yes, High true. Adventure, that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Yes, oh, sir. <laughs> Loved it. Oh, I could do them that, all. Tailspin. Did that same guy write, Tailspin's amazing. Did that guy write all of those songs? Because they so. all kind of live in the same thing. And I hope he's a trillionaire living in a castle somewhere at this point. 
my favorite song, theme song of all time, just because you got his jump started, Drew. Because they're always one up in me, Drew. You go, handsome go, devil. Go hit uh, it. My favorite is ready. Here we go. Darkwing Duck. When there's trouble, just call DW. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. Let's get, get dangerous. dangerous. Yes. That song I was so that. Prince. I mean, it was like Prince. It was completely all Prince. The way. It was oh, yeah. like it flew over my head how cool that was when I was a kid. Uh, oh, and also the tag of this is a complete tangent, but I'm having a great time talking about oh, this. Yeah. The tail end of the Goof Troop. Remember that that cartoon, oh, yeah. the Goof Troop. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what the words are, but I believe it sounded something like this. Going to the Goof Troop. It's like this, like crazy, yeah, like yeah, yeah. trumpet kind of thing. Ooh, that shit was sick. Julia, yeah. how about you? Tight. Go. Oh God, I'm like theme songs. I'm I'm in the mix of like. You got your Ducktales. You've got your yeah. Uh, I will say, as we've talked about, um, uh, Goofy movie was everything to, everything. Uh, to the point musically where, like, to this day, if you see me on the streets of New York, walking down the street, I'll probably be listening to After Today. A hundred percent. Even now, yeah. There's After something today, about yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so musical theater. I love it. it. On my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that whole soundtrack is brilliant. I I loved it. Um, oh, but there's such a range. Okay, so you're talking about like bands. We're talking bands, Nicktoons. Yeah, I wanna yeah. I wanna like feel the '90s all over me right now. I um, okay, so in uh, fourth or fifth grade. I, okay, so I remember the day I first heard Britney Spears' Baby One More Time on the radio. And I was like, Mega. who is this? And then I went to Warehouse Records in San Francisco oh, to yes, buy her dude. single. And I wore it out. I thought it was the greatest new hit song. And then I traded it with my friend Ramsey Dudum for his Papa Roach CD. Oh, because I love Papa Ramsey. Roach. And Ramsey just wanted a picture of Britney Spears because his parents were strict. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You couldn't get that. That's what I remember vaguely. <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time when when 30-year-old guys could buy like this oversexed 16-year-old poster for their child. I think yeah. that's yeah. very, very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, Britney Spears was a game changer for a lot of us, for a lot of separate many reasons, different I'm reasons. sure. Yeah. But I, my favorite part about your story is the transition, so seamless, from Britney Spears to yeah. Papa Roach, Cut My Life Into Pieces. Is that the song I'm assuming you fell in love with? When it Absolutely. I, I think I simultaneously, uh, I was obsessed with Green Day. I was obsessed with Papa Roach, The Offspring. My first concert yes. was Green Day. Oh my Day. God, The Offspring. Oh, the and, offspring. And, yeah, and in sixth grade, I saw my, my babysitter took me and my friend to see uh, Green Day, The Living End opened for them. Living yes. in Green Day at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco. Yes. And I, like sixth grade, I was into a big uh, Bay Area punk phase. But I also yes. loved, like, they were pop and mainstream at that time or pop punk, whatever. But I was very much into rock as well as pop because I, at the same time, had like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys posters in my room. And like, I, I think... I was just obsessed with music in every single way. I also have yeah. uh, oldies but goodies CD that I wore out and a um, 70s double disc thing that I yes. love disco. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I just found everything in music in those years. And so whether yeah. it was like all 90s madness or I'd also, you know, the now that's what I call whatever has started happening around then as well. That's so right. I was it was, it was my... definitely in the nineties when now this is music. What yeah. if I, what a shithead title for any compilation. Now yeah. this is now music. This is what I call Anything music. else that's not on this compilation <laughs> is just shit. Yeah. Um, so many. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, drew... like, I, I had a, a phase in high school where I went punk. Um, I was at a no. Song. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't buy that because I was about I to say I peg you as a bare naked ladies guy. No, dude. Well, no, yes, you do know all the lyrics. Oh yeah, to, I mean, if uh, everyone can, everyone alive can sing one, one week. week, start to finish. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But um, but I, I I was in a band with my with my uh, church buddies. We what? Were, I, uh, this is this do is I exclusive. Um, yes. We were we were called oh, wait, the Scannables. Don't worry about it. Because I won't. It's too Wait, good no, to worry about. Because we were a ska band? it was a ska band. Okay, not a punk band. This was a ska. No, but band. no, but but that came from all of our obsession with you know no effects and yes. like we we and uh, a more niche MXPX, which was That's like right. a, which is a, which was Weren't a little they more. Area too? 
Yeah, they were. That's right. And uh, um, crossover. But in my mind, they <laughs> were all from very far away. But I, I will never forget. We saw MXPX and Good Charlotte opened for them. Oh my god! Whoa! In in like a tiny venue in Raleigh. Like I want to say my freshman or sophomore year of college because I drove. I drove the car. Yeah, which would have made me sixteen. And uh, sophomore year in high school. Yeah, that is so badass. That's so such a was, badass bill. Yeah, it was pretty nuts, actually. It was pretty. I remember. Was that, was really that your like first significant concert? Was that like it was the, the first? Concert? It was the first concert that I went to that I felt like it, like like it was a real. You're going to a rock show. Yeah, yeah people like, are like, like taking their shirts off and they're throwing yeah. water in the crowd because people are moshing. It was out of utterly out of control. I mean, and I did had you, been. Did to you have parents who like listened to like like Led Zeppelin or something, and they would tell you about like going to those shows back in the day, or did you not? Did they not really partake in that? Yeah, kind of no. My dad's oh, yeah. my dad's brothers. Um, my dad grew up in uh, on Long Island, and his several of his brothers were at Woodstock in 1969. So we were very much always aware of in the car dad picked the music and dad would like would school us about this this is what you need and he would go i'd like to throw in that my mom um during college i think or right after college sold her the car her parents got her or or their her parents old car that she kind of inherited or whatever she sold, sold it sold it and bought a uh, Volkswagen camper in Germany with some friends and um, drove to the Isle of Wight. And she was at the Isle of Wight and saw Jimi Hendrix, saw Janis Joplin. Come on! We're talking everybody. We're talking like the big, that, what's the, that big year of, she saw everybody. She has stories for days. Everybody who was in the, in the 27 Club, everybody who died immediately after this. Oh yeah, they were all in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, no, still like the, the, and you know, she at home, it was a lot of um, Crosby, Stills and Nash and Peter, Paul and Mary and Bob Dylan yeah. and, Beatles and all that stuff. And, and my dad loves um, Rolling Stones, Roy Orbison, a lot of, you know, it's like, I, I think that was another kind of very much, but, but at dinner every single night, my entire childhood classical music was playing in the background every day. This is this is something very telling about you. And now Drew just Drew Galing just ran away and I think he just, just jumped away. out of a window somewhere. Hey, doing that thing where I interrupt the conversation to remind the listeners, go support our guests by following them on their social medias. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find Drew Galing at Drew Galing, and you can find Julia Madison at Julia Matt M-A-T. Back to the talk. He's back. What's up, Drew? Thanks for being yeah. here. Uh, ah, I want to stay. I want to stay with what you just said, Julia, because you just painted yeah. such a great picture of yourself, and it kind of it's it's a small segue into something. But I don't want to make it too much of a focus because again, people should Google you guys and find all this stuff if they have not already. You are one of the most multi-talented types of singers I've ever met, in the sense that you really can. I have a great memory of singing Papa Roach with you at karaoke one time. <laughs> yes, it's but you, <laughs> but you also created, co-created with our good friend Noel. You mm. co-created a wonderful mini uh, web series called uh, Brooklyn Sound, and mm. is that still up? By the way, can people yeah. still find that and watch it? I think it? it's great. still so, visit brooklynsound.com after all uh, the years. Go check that out. Visit brooklynsound.com. It's so good, and you'll all see what I'm talking about here. Julia Madison just voiced every ty- style of music known under the sun, and how she was kind of raised under that umbrella and you'll see it in full effect when you watch this because she plays almost every character she's like a lord-esque version Mm -hmm. of a pop star (laughs) and then you also have like these peter paul and mary-esque style hippie folk singer songwriter guys and it's just it's completely entertaining but but your performances are so outstanding and everything you just said made that series and your performance totally gel and make sense to me not that it didn't oh, before thanks. it was it was amazing but boy getting your uh a bit of your taste growing up that makes so much sense and now i'm going to go back and watch it just with so much more joy knowing that oh, you actually that. have that shit in your veins whether you like it or not mm-hmm. i think i i think there's all i've always, and it's one of the reasons noel and i think connected creatively so quickly is i think he was the same way i i always um, oh yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Noel Carey for you know listeners, uh, my yeah, writing listener. partner and and a pal of all of us. Um, yes. I personally, I think I've always been obsessed with 
essentially every genre of music I can I can dive into. I think of very few that I I can't get behind or like. Like I think, uh, and if it's something that I don't personally love to listen to, it's something I can also have fun trying to interpret or be right. play as a character or something. You know what I yeah. mean? I think you know. I I think Brooklyn Sound was born out of myself and Noel saying like. God, we love writing songs. We just start a band. And we this actually happened. We wanted to start a band, but we didn't want to be limited by a certain genre of music. And so we were right. like, wouldn't it be, a, be great if we could just be like a bunch of different bands? <laughs> Let's make a show where we're, we're playing all these different kinds of music because that's the freedom we want musically. And so I think now it's it's fallen into, it's what I find, I think, with Joel as well with, the advent calendar stuff where it's like, Oh, we get right. To make yes. Another, about... another shout out. Just the, no, the amount of projects yeah, we're listing. Absolutely. It's knolls it, and doles around make it, but like I mean, a lot of knolls, a lot of joels. Yeah. But like, it's, it's to me, it's like, I m- maybe most fun that I find these days is just making up songs and in, in different genres and getting to play in that way. Cause just what's better than the, Music is the best. Yeah, <laughs> Julia's been spending a lot of her time hanging out under an overpass, just singing at cars as they go by because she's <laughs> lost right. her faculties during 2020. It's very true. Uh, I, I want to talk about the, the big stuff coming up, but you just mentioned something, and it, it's a big question for Drew because I'm clueless when it comes to you, Drew. But earlier on, Julia, you said how you were raised by a businessman and you were also raised by an artist. And the business mm-hmm. side of your family kind of... Um, not pushed, but made sure you were aware the importance of an entrepreneurial mindset. And any artist really needs to do that. The the art of being an artist is the hustle and finding the gigs that just kind of keep you afloat, whatever they are. You know what I mean? No actor goes from closing night to the next show. Not always, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. Drew Drew Galing does maybe, but not everybody (laughs) does. Nonstop. (laughs) Um, But there's, but there, but you just listed Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn sound. You just listed the advent, uh, I can't say it without choking on the word. Carolander. Advent Carolander, <laughs> which became uh, an amazing quarantine uh, bit of entertainment as well. I'll go check that out on Instagram featuring Joel Wagner and uh, uh, Julia Madison. It's outstanding. Um, but what I know of Drew Galing uh, is that you had supportive parents. They said, you go into the arts if that's what is your outlet. That's how, that's how we feel supportive of you is allowing you to do that. And then all I know is you've done big fat Broadway shows a lot. You've done big fat Jersey Boys. You've done I think I believe if I'm not mistaken if my eyes didn't play tricks on me, you were in one of my favorite episodes of 30 Rock. Were you on that? Fact. That is correct. Fact. There he is. Okay, here we go. We're going to keep going. And of course, uh the big fat one that you probably are best known for was your turn as Dr. Pamalama Dimadab Pamalama Ding Dong in Watchress the Musical. This is correct. In Watchress yeah. the Musical. Yes. Uh actually a Scandinavian person is translating as we talk but i I want to make sure that i get a sense of the hard times because you do have this amazing looking career on paper it is and it's why i joke around that you're the more successful drew it's because you have quite an astounding resume you've been able to uh raise a family on being an actor as far as i know but let's let's talk about this entrepreneurial mindset and the art the art of the hustle yeah an actor what are some of those times that you had to kind of find the other thing or divert or, or, you know, find another way to stay creative, not necessarily just fill the bank account, but maintain creativity. That's, that's uh, honestly, it's, that's an awesome question. Um, like, like Julia, my, my father was, um, was a, a businessman as well. Right. So not, mm-hmm. and while not a person that necessarily was going to push me towards, um, any kind of, a profession in business or anything like that, but definitely was one that was always about like teaching me about the responsibilities of, of taking care of, you know, being responsible with money and being responsible with, um, um, and knowing that like nothing happens without hard work and, and like discipline and like delayed gratification and like making sure that, you know, you're putting in the time and the work to make the things worth it. But, um, honestly, it was like being in school, uh, where and because uh, your boy Cobra and I um, went to yes. the same. Uh, we both graduated from Carnegie Mellon at the around the same time. He was one year Amazing. behind me. Amazing. And the weird thing about that program was that, like, I went there thinking, "Oh, okay, everyone that goes here just does Broadway musicals all the time." 
And I spent my entire time there realizing that that's not really what I was built to do because I'm a shit dancer. I mm-hmm. sing only like me. And, mm-hmm. um, and my, I found that I enjoyed acting and developing new work the most. Right. You're, you're not the kind of actor who goes to college and gets spit out ensemble, 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 rotating Broadway show after Broadway no. show. You're a fucking artist. You, and I'm, you, well, you... I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm six and a half fucking feet tall. You can't like put me in the ensemble. <laughs> I'm a tree. You can't put, you can't put the sycamore like next to Watch the munchkins and wicked. <laughs> George of the Jungle, the musical. We know exactly. <laughs> With Drew as the tree. I, <laughs> right, yeah. Brendan Fraser is going to come back for this and you're going to play the tree. I would. Amazing. Oh, sign me up. Anything yes. Brendan Fraser does, I'm yes. in. Back to our 90s. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Dudley do right for real. Um, oh I, uh, uh, so, so I, I learned really quickly, like after graduating, like, oh, shit, I, I'm not going to just fall into the ensemble of Wicked and, and you know, make Broadway money. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do. You, I can't replace just any actor because I'm 20. I'm going to go be the lead in other shows yeah, and make right. <laughs> way more kinds of Broadway I money. I didn't. Like, the weird thing was, is like, genuinely, it was 2005. And if you were a tall white guy, uh-huh. you were going to probably do Jersey Boys. It's so funny that you say that because the, out of the gate, you said, I sing like me, which yeah. is one of my favorite qualities about you, by the way. And that's why I'm going to continue to push this artist thing. I don't think you can be an artist unless you really understand your own individuality and your uniqueness. And right out of the gate, you say, I sing like me. I'm not going to go be an ensemble singer because I have this voice. When it comes to Jersey Boys, that is a specific sound that yeah. they're hunting for so much that they send people to fucking camps. Some of them never come back. Some of them go and they <laughs> and they're they're still there. there. There's Just, a bunch of lost and confused forty-year-old Frankie Valleys walking around. I but but when you like you fall into a show like that, did you think it was a fluke or were you like, oh, I've made it? What it was, was the, honestly it was the first time that I'd ever seen a Broadway show and gone, oh, I, I oh, I, I can do that part. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Like there were, cause up until that point, you know, you're, you're watching, wow, that guy's an amazing dancer. Wow. That guy, you know, wow. That's, this is right out of college for you. Yeah. Wow. That guy's Tarzan. Wow. You know, like this was, right. I, I was looking at like a bunch of kinds of like Broadway dudes being like, Oh, the, you guys are a whole different breed than myself. And so sure. I see that show and I'm like, Oh wow, that that's something I can do. But the hardest part about being in it was having it not be my thing. You, you are didn't create it. You no doing somebody. Shoes. Yeah, you you kind of end up doing somebody else's blocking, and you're standing here, and you got to play. These scenes go this way, and this and this. The, was it Robert J. Spencer? Was that who it was? No, I was what the I was the Dan Reichard part. I was okay. uh, Bob Gaudia, yeah. right? So it was yeah. just like you're you're really you know when you replace in any show, you're really kind of like all right, this is the this is kind of this is the mold. You're yeah. here because you fit this mold. Um, there's a shit ton of moving parts in the show don't mess up your moving part of the show. Now shine within that, within that box, be the brightest box you can be. But like, that's where you are. And I, I, it was like, I was in the show for a while because it was, you know, it was a great way to learn how to do eight shows a week. It was a great way to learn how to like, have it be your job. Yeah, this was, is like boot camp a little bit for you. For real, just, for yeah. real. Because, you know, you, you don't learn that in school. You don't learn how to, like, keep your voice. You don't learn how to, like, make sure that you can do eight shows. You don't learn that. You know, there's just right. no way to do that. So, um, right. so I mean, you, I, but at the same time, it was like a real crisis for me because I'm like, well, what if that's all there is? Like, what if I'm just going to, the best I can hope for in another Broadway show is to go do a show that's already been open that um, I won't get to kind of have any kind of creative process with it. It's like I'm getting put in by the stage manager or the associate right. director. And, you know, and so when I got back from doing that show, there were like, there was like a two year period where I just kind of uh, pounded, honestly pounded the pavement, like auditioned and was not right for stuff and wouldn't get far or auditioned and like got some close to some things, but just wouldn't. And were you just basically kind of living off of, you know, the Jersey boy bank account for a minute? And yeah, you know, I was like, I was like a young unmarried guy, like just kind of trying to figure out, you know, with not a lot of bills to pay and able to like, just kind of do me. So that's amazing. uh, 
Um, so, That's amazing. So by the t- by the time like something came along that could like get me seen, because in that point you kind of figure out, okay, I, I'm only gonna I, I'm only gonna get it's this is this is the this is what there is like right. this bot this body is what there is. This is what will get a job or not get a job. <laughs> the skills that I have and have and work on and and the and the way in which that I approach work is the only thing that I really can bring to the table. And so. And occasionally, sometimes that that works. Um, and yeah, I, I'm like super lucky in that I like I feel like I kind of won. I won a couple of really great lottery numbers. You know, I, I would have really including your height. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, I think seriously, but it's great to acknowledge the the gratefulness. And Julia is very similar situation right out of college. You get booked into a Broadway show and it was a big deal revival at the time of Godspell. And that mm. seems so up your alley since there's so much room to play. It's a little less structured as well. You were you were part of the original cast of this revival, so yeah. not like Drew, um, handsome Drew. You 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 get to kind of build from the ground up and invent, which is an area that you excel in, as we've talked about with with Brooklyn Sound. And right. it's not because I don't want to talk about Godspell. This is kind of I want I want to get back to Godspell. I want to keep with mm. Drew for one minute though. Was I guess the question for Drew, hearing all of what you just said, coming out with that training that Jersey Boys gave you, and the training continues when you get out of Jersey Boy and you realize, oh, I'm not just hireable. I like have to kind of figure this out and continue to work and audition and audition. Was it when you booked Dr. Pla- Platypus yeah. that you, I'm never going to get the name of this character right. I That's swear okay. to God. I, I, I also won't correct you. I think, I think the, no, the, uh, the more don't. out West we get is great. I want to freak theater listeners out right now. That's oh, the yeah. entire goal. Yeah, it makes so people really you, mad. They should be. You, <laughs> I'm sure. No, I'm going to get hate mail and death threats. I promise. Uh, was that the show where you felt, oh, this isn't a job. It's a career in the sense that it's not about being in a show and a show and a show. It's about having the artistic f- fulfillment of creating something and and establishing, uh, you know, like an original idea, your input, your interpretation. The really cool thing, yeah, wait- Waitress definitely like changed a lot about the way in which I looked at the, honestly, the businessy side of things because suddenly mm-hmm. <clears throat> after that show, I was... I start. I was able to kind of get into more rooms to do other uh, to do more cool projects, and um, yeah, yeah, and and uh, in that weird kind of way that ends up happening when you're in a new Broadway show that everyone goes to see, they're like, "Oh, what about that guy? Oh, that guy. Let's let's have that guy do the thing." For do, a do you feel like it gives you permission to do things you want to do, or does it just open? doors for more opportunities you hadn't really thought of before i think it 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 opens doors in some cases it can it 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 can it can create like, it can create uh, like the permission options. about yeah. it yeah. yeah um but that's but then that's all about like what's the what's the artistic compass that you that you have inside you that says what do i great i'm getting asked to do this thing but what, what do i really want to do right now do i want to yeah like take five years off my life to work on a new show to, to, to do that right now? Or do I want to kind of follow this other path that, that might be a little, um, that might be different from that. Um, sure. Like waitress definitely opened those doors, but weirdly like it, the, the, the most oddly rewarding artistic New York theater experience I had was doing a, a really short run of a, of a musical at Lincoln center in like, that was our dog, not a what musical was that? Okay. There's, don't worry about it. Just <laughs> raccoons running in the background. Yeah, she's, she's just dog skittering just around. Visiting us very urgently. Uh, it, she, Oh my gosh, she's too funny. Um, it was this musical called uh, uh, A Minister's Wife that this guy Josh Schmidt wrote. He's the guy that did The Adding Machine. and um, Oh, God, I love The Adding yeah, Machine. Yeah, yeah. And so he wrote, he and Austin Pendleton, um, who- Oh, that a, household name. Who's an amazing, amazing character actor. It, your, your household name would know him from uh, as being the guy who ran the company in Short Circuit. Um, oh! Yeah, there you go. Um, wow! Yeah, he's also the original model in Fiddler on the Roof. We could talk about Austin Pendleton all. Oh day. my god! Okay, so I take my my sarcastic, smarmy shithead comment back. That's amazing. Him and Bob Balaban are my 
Yeah, or my two just spirit animals in New York. But Bob he, Balaban, my favorite yes. role in Seinfeld was played by Bob Balaban. Ugh. When he's the NBC oh, yeah. exec. Yeah. yeah, and he goes, why are people watching this? Because it's on TV. And he goes, not yet. That's the greatest <laughs> delivery. It's, he's so great. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, I, I'm gonna, I want to, sorry, I want to hop to Julia real fast because uh, we're, we're going to wind down here a little bit as to not uh, get snoozers listening to us. But this is a really exciting conversation because these are two really interesting perspectives coming from the support you both had. But artistically, you guys gel together as humans, but I really think you have such different approaches to everything that you do artistically. And we talked mm. about Julia doing Brooklyn Sound and and creating characters, which some people may disagree, but I think creating characters in a sketch kind of format is different than being an actor necessarily. It is a totally different skill set. Like, I don't know how you do it some of the time. It's amazing to me. And talk to me quickly uh, about the beginning of your career because you went to school to do theater, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a musical theater BFA. And then you, right out of college, you were in Godspell and you were having the time of your life. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Broadway has not been the, not not been, but it hasn't necessarily been the end-all be-all for you. You have right. spread yourself out in so many things. You have an endless amount of projects. We've plugged a couple uh, but again, I just encourage people to look these people up. Let's talk about household names. Everybody I talk to on this podcast is or is about to become a household name. And I've been collaborating with Julia for a long time with music. And we've all done concerts together and writing shows and this, that, and the other. So when you were done with Godspell, Julia, after that mm-hmm. run was done, what was the immediate thought? And then how did those thoughts evolve into what your life is now? It's it's so interesting. Yeah, because I, I, I did, I got... But after doing a, a musical theater BFA, I got really lucky and did Godspell. And I think the reason that happened was because I got to create an original song for my audition. I got to yeah. uh, play, make up bits, play characters. Awesome. The the callback was some people's nightmare, some people's dream. It was here, here's you're 10 people in a, in a room with props. You have 20 minutes to come up with an entire play and you're going to perform it for Stephen Schwartz. And it was like, that was my introduction to New York. And I was like, this is my calling. This is my dream. Um, And so by doing it, it was a chance to um, write and create and make up bits and parts as as a part of a Broadway show. But I think um, when the show closed, yeah, when the show closed, it wasn't as if I decided myself necessarily, like I'm done with Broadway. Like it wasn't for lack of auditioning. I very much continued going out for things and, and thinking, okay, what's next. And, um, and I found that slowly the, the Broadway kind of hustle and the filling a type and kind of being right for certain parts was just not where I was getting jobs or being necessarily fulfilled creatively because it was a lot of I was in the world of are you a Glinda or an Alphaba and I was kind of like what if I want to be Dr. Dillamond (laughs) can I be the old goat professor (laughs) like what if I you'd be a great old goat yeah, yeah, and by the way, I went in for Glinda a million times and and for Alphaba a bunch of times. Like I was just not ever the clear. I was always a, a stranger option for any role. You know what I mean? Because I think right. I was I couldn't help very much being my own uh, flawed, weird self in ways that I've come to celebrate in in deciding I wanted to write more for myself and my friends and and yeah. tell stories I want to tell, but. Um, I, it was, you know, I feel like I remained in the Broadway community socially and through music and concerts and readings and stuff, but really, I think the, the year after Godspell, I re I, and also during Godspell was making my own comedy, um, doing my own comedy shows of original comedy songs. Yeah. I made a comedy Christmas album. And then my, my friend Sydney and I wrote and, and shot a, a pilot that we submitted to the New York television festival. And then got a development deal with MTV through that. And then I remember that. Yes. From, from yeah. then on, it was kind of off to the races of like, okay, 
I think I can find you were making stuff ways. Yeah. By making endless. stuff to, to kind endless of really content. Create. Yeah. Endless content. It was, it started, it was like, then I made the Ruby show and yes. And stringing. Are those on YouTube, by the way, can you find those? There, there are clips of the Ruby show, not the full show. Still worth checking out. Everybody go check out Ruby Manger. She is spelt manger. Yes. Uh, She she is a character that Julia created. And if that doesn't deserve just a one hour special on Netflix, I don't, I really don't know what does. (laughs) That is such great content. Alter ego. And, but I think like with all that, it's like I was piecing things together by, I was acting in commercials and eventually was writing for commercials and, I don't know. Like I, I think of the my twenties as this weird patchwork quilt of trying on many different hats and finding mm-hmm. varying degrees of success. Um, because I never really wanted to necessarily leave the Broadway community, and I, I still feel like a part of that community in many ways. But it was funny to like enter the world and become to dive deeply in with Godspell. And then over Mm -hmm. time, you just realize like, if you're not in a show, you're not doing a show, just kind of socially or at events and things, you're kind of, you just slowly become less familiar and more of a like, who's that? Oh yeah. You look, you just are not the, the relevant thing is really interesting to me. And nature of the beast. Yeah, that's right. And so I think I, I grew comfortable with knowing that whatever happens for me, it's going to be, deeply connected to things I create. And so I, and I felt I've always been that way. I and talking back to childhood, like making movies in my room and creating yeah. plays and stuff. I've never not been that. So I think it was Godspell was a really amazing kickoff into the possibilities. And then showing me that I, I can, I can write and create and entertain people and it'll heavily often be comedy and beyond that you know it's it's I love that it changes by the day and by the year like what I'm working on because I I don't want to be limited by I'm an actor or I'm a writer I'm this or that it's like I want to tell stories and make people laugh and laugh while making stories (laughs) that yes it holds it all together in one big bubble you know that's that's what made I really enjoyed working on that short film with you because we yeah. laugh so much. Yeah. The short film being stomach people. Yeah. That's stomach right. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Stomach yeah. people is a is a is out of Julia's insane brain. And I was in we we've shared an office while you began writing this. And That's it, right. I just I just remember the conversation before you even started. You just told us about these friends that you'd like throw up into your hand or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And and then you wrote, uh, like, I think it was going to be a series. And then this, um, this movie that got filmed and, and I, what Drew just said brings me to just a final little point to bring up. And it, it kind of just says a lot about all of us. I think we all do our best and we try our damnedest to continue working with the people we love mm-hmm. and to continue working with the people that inspire us because we mm-hmm. get the best out of ourselves when someone is bringing it out of themselves. So, yeah. um, but I want to say thank you so much to both of you guys for taking the time, first of all, for exploring your childhoods with me a little more, going a little nostalgic with the 90s, and painting a really great picture for anybody who listens to this, the different paths and the amount of work it takes to become a working uh, actor. Success is how we want it to look. So you guys have done such a great job being successful artists, and I love you both very much. Thanks so much for doing this. We love you, friend. Love you, Thanks Drew. for having us. Well, if you made it all the way to the outro, then go check your mail, because we just sent you a box of cookies! Thanks for listening to this episode of Now We're Talking. Now We're Talking is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. Heard of them? Of course you have. You can find out more about me and this podcast at bpn.fm slash now we're talking try to figure that out and on instagram uh, at drew gasparini and also on tiktok at the drew gasparini uh, special thanks to our guests drew and julia and to our listeners for tuning in make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream we'll catch you next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 